She is seductive. She is passionate. She is possessive. She is pure. Evil. She is Christine. A 1958 Plymouth Fury, possessed by hell. Her previous owner is not alive to warn her present one. Once she lures you behind the wheel, you will be hers, body and soul. There is no place you can hide, no place you can run, and nothing you can do can stop her. Because how do you kill something that can't possibly be alive? Christine. Body by Plymouth. Soul by Satan. Recliner almost chopped my mate's finger off. This is what our killer looks like. Tire. Everyone has been affected in one way or another by this terrible tomato onslaught. There was a, a standing lamp in this room. What happened to it? Attack of the Killer Objects! Hi! Welcome to Attack of the Killer Objects. <laughs> I almost said the name of my other podcast. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. Yeah. Uh, hi, I'm your host, Anastasia. And my guest today is Kendra. Kendra is back for the second time. The last time we had you on, we did Magic. Yes. And we just found out yesterday that they're making a remake of Magic. Yes, and we had a whole discussion on who should be the star. Yes. I think Elijah Wood would kill that role. Just kill it. Would be great at it. I am still voting for Mark Hamill. He's too old for that role. <laughs> Fine. Then Zac Efron. Ew. No. Just, because, even... he's a pr- just no, because he's a pretty boy doesn't mean he's not a good actor. I don't think he's pretty at all. And I also don't think he's that good of an actor. <laughs> did you but see him in the Ted Bundy movie? We did a whole episode on it on the other podcast, so yes. <laughs> I, I thought he did really good at it. I mean, he was pretty good, but I've seen his other movies, and overall, I would say, like, I've seen several movies that he's been in, and overall, I would say he's not great. He didn't have a lot of range, really, I don't think. Mm. But that's just that's me. That's why I'm voting Mark Hamill, because he has a hell of a range. He does, but I think we would, we would need it to be a cartoon version then. But you know what? We are really digressing. <laughs> I was going to say, one more option, that movie... Can't remember it, but it, he's like, that was Patricia. What? The, oh, I think it's called, like, Split. Oh, James McAvoy. That guy would be good, too. James McAvoy would also be a good choice. I will agree with you there. But... Finally, one. <laughs> so we're not That's... here for magic. What are no. we here for today? Yes, we today we are covering 
Christine. We're finally doing the Stephen King killer car movies. Uh, we're doing a Stephen King month. Because he's like the queen of horror, the king of horror. That, and he's done more than one killer object movie, so. Yeah. <laughs> so it just works out well. Kendra will be back for the next episode as well. We will be covering Maximum Overdrive. Whoa. I literally sent Kendra a copy of the movie so we could do it. <laughs> yeah, I was very confused when I got an Amazon package. I was like, why did I get an Amazon package? And then you texted me like the same day and you were like, oh, by the way, surprise. <laughs> <laughs> we're doing Maximum Overdrive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I did that. Um, anyway, so Christine. Your determination. Yes, I will get a show done no matter what. <laughs> All right. So we're covering Christine. Overall thoughts? I love it. I've always yeah. liked this movie. I hated the book, but I love the movie. I've never read the book, I have to admit. But I, I do- I've read a lot of his books, which is why I'm such a big fan of his movies. And you know that. I do And know that. Uh, it's the only book of his that I haven't been able to get all the way through it because I just, I couldn't do it. Fair enough. Uh, I had problems getting through Carrie just because there's so many pages and pages of like technical jargon about telekinesis. Mm. But to be fair, I read that when I was 10 years old. So, you See, know. for me, the, the, the Christine book, it's more so like, I swear like a sailor. So I, swearing doesn't like offend me or anything but oh well, i mean he swears in like all his books all the time <laughs> which which i get but christine the book it's like he swears almost every other word just for the sake of using a swear word not for an actual conversation it's needed it's just i'm just throwing swear words and just cuz so well, i was like this, oh i can't do it <laughs> you know what that's fair but that was also written during his coke phase yeah yeah <laughs> And uh, from my experience of reading King, the haphazardly throwing around of swear words was more prevalent during the coke years. Yeah. Yeah. So King, when he stops drinking and uh, gets off the coke, swears a lot less. <laughs> yeah. Becomes more creative in his wordage for the better, I think. But anyway, uh, we love you, Stephen King. Don't don't at me. <laughs> love you like, so much. Uh, yes. Okay. So, Christine, let's get into it. Let's get into it. So, Christine takes place. Let's set the scene for how the movie starts, right? Yeah. All right. So, we're at a Chrysler assembly plant in Detroit, 1957. And we, we pan in to a newly assembled red and white 1958 Plymouth Fury. And uh, I guess a mechanic is kind of looking around under the hood and holy hell, it slams down and like really badly mangles his hand. You see him walking away with like a bandage on it and just bloody fingers protruding. <laughs> it doesn't look very well taken care of, actually. Like it's kind of comical. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of a very cheesy movie for certain parts. Oh, absolutely. But... I feel like anything in the series is a little cheesy, though. Yeah, and I mean honestly, John Carpenter has a lot of cheese in his movies, mm. and that and they're not all they're not all cheesy. Like The Thing doesn't have any cheese at all, in my opinion. Opinion. But then he has movies like They Live, which is just Cheese Factor 9000. But it's fantastic. It's fun. It's great. But you just have to yeah. recognize that, yeah, Carpenter in the 80s was pretty fucking cheesy. <laughs> I was more so saying, like, anything that's a, a killer object is just a little bit cheesy. Oh, yeah. my This is a cheesy podcast, guys, if you don't know. <laughs> if you've made it this far and haven't realized that, then I'm not sure if you've been paying attention. I mean, wasn't there a movie about a killer 
colored condom? Yes. I told you about that. We haven't covered it yet because I tried to get, okay, I tried to get BP to do that episode with me and he could not get through it. It like made him uncomfortable. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So I got to find someone to do that episode with me. <laughs> I know that you saved these two for me because I was enthusiastic about Stephen King. Yes. These have been carved out for you since the inception of the podcast. <laughs> like before I even started the podcast and I told you about it, you were like, okay, I can do these. <laughs> anyway, so back to the story. You yeah. So um, then we see another worker and he's like smoking a cigarette, not a cigarette. He's smoking a cigar on the job, which I guess maybe in the fifties that was fine, you know, cause they smoked in like offices and stuff, but it seems like it might be dangerous on an assembly line. I don't know. And then he just like gets in Christine is just sitting in there with the cigar in his mouth, which seems like something you wouldn't do in a brand new car that's going to be sold to someone. Am right. Crazy? Right. And then he just like haphazardly sits down in it and just ashes in the front seat. Sealing his doom. Rude. <laughs> yes, because that's when we discover like, I don't know, a little bit later. That he's died. They open the car door and he's just fucking inexplicably dead. And it's because he fucking offended Christy. <laughs> She's a very sensitive bitch, okay? She is real sensitive and very possessive and very jealous. She's, yeah. like, a, she's like a bad girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. Or a bad boyfriend. <laughs> she's like that clingy girlfriend meme. Obsessive girlfriend. Yeah, exactly. She's bad news. She's wild. She's unhinged. <laughs> so the supervisors notice that the, the car still has its radio playing. Uh, and that's how they find him. They, they didn't even realize he was sitting in the car. Like, I'm not sure how you don't realize that. But yeah, they see that the radio is playing. They open the door and he just like falls out dead. <laughs> uh, then it fast forwards to 21 years later. It's September 1978. The first day of the school. Yeah. 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 And our main character, Arnie Cunningham is like running to catch his ride with his friend but he also has to take the trash out and he like trips and trash spills fucking everywhere and his mom's like Arnie yep. <laughs> and, the, and, the, and then he just you know like humbly runs over to his friend and is like oh geez you know and then they're having this conversation in the car about how like his mom is so like overbearing like they were playing Scrabble as a family and Arnie would have won with his word, which was fellatio. Yeah. <laughs> but mom said you can't use lewd words, so she won the game. Sounds like you're a petty bitch, mom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you're a prude. Chester wanted on your podcast. Did you hear him? Wait, what? I said apparently Chester wanted to be part of your podcast. Did you hear him? He just oh. meowed very loudly. Oh, no, I did not hear the meow, but... Oh, yes, he says hello. Oh, hi, kitty. Kitty man. <laughs> uh, okay, so where was I? Right, Arnie. So, oh. yeah, they're in the car. And uh, anyway, he's with his friend, Dennis. That's who Dennis. drives drives him to school. Dennis is apparently pretty much his only friend. And he's like kind of a jock. He plays on the football team. But he's a nice guy, clearly, because he's also friends with Arnie. And he's you know, doesn't make fun of him and stands up for him. And he's genuinely a pretty, pretty good guy. 
guy. He's not the classic 80s douchebag jock. No, he's not. So, <laughs> first day of school goes pretty badly. There's a fight uh, in, I guess, like, shop class or auto class, whatever. Yep. Uh, um, this big hulking Nimrod <laughs> with a switchblade buddy and his, like, gang of goons are giving Arnie a hard time. And uh, they steal his lunch and stick a switchblade through his yogurt, which his mom told him to refrigerate. <laughs> yes. Like, mom, like, mom where is he going to refrigerate that? Right? Uh, I just, I can't. Because it was a p- brown paper sack. It wasn't like it was, you know, a modern lunchbox with a cooler in it. <laughs> yeah. But whatever. Anyway. So, yeah. So, Dennis comes in and is like, hey, man, you know, leave him alone. Leave Arnie alone. And uh, it gets pretty heated. Punches are thrown. The switchblade gets, you know, threatening. <laughs> the teacher yep. the teacher is called to come back and, you know, break it up. Arnie's glasses get dropped off his face and stomped on. Bye, buddy. What an asshole. <laughs> and Dude, buddy, I'd be sad. Do you, know, do you know how expensive glasses are? Yes. I Honestly, I'd be, like, getting my mom to call his mom and get yeah. that, shit, getting that shit paid for. <laughs> yeah. For real, though. But this is a horror movie, so we don't get into the nitty-gritty details of those things. <laughs> but we do see on the way back that we find out that two of them have been, like, suspended, the goons, and Buddy's been expelled. And Arnie's glasses are taped together in that, like, classic nerdy way with, like, a big hunking piece of masking tape. Like Harry Potter. Yeah, exactly. But before Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they're on the way home, and Arnie's like, stop the car! Go back, go back, go back! I gotta see her. Like, he's already referring to it as a her, which is interesting. Aren't they all ha- cars girls? No, my car is a man. <laughs> What's his name? Hammond. Yamond? Hammond. Hammond. Yes, he's named after Richard Hammond from, oh. top, from top Gear and the, um, the Grand Tour. Oh, my yeah. van's name is Bertha. That's fitting for a van. <laughs> She's a big white bitch. Yeah. So I named Bertha. Bertha. A big cool. white van before her was named Bessie, like a cow. You know what? I think I've only had. I know this sounds bizarre because we're clearly the ones who put the gender on the inanimate object. <laughs> yeah. But but we are. This is a killer object show, so I think it fits in. But anyway, I've only had two female cars, and that's because they were already female when I inherited them. Oh. So like, my I mean, mom, my mom gave me her old car, which she had named Ruby. So I assumed that's a female. I guess it could be mm-hmm. a male. I don't know. <laughs> Um, it's an inanimate object. I'm not going to get into gender politics on it. Um, anyway, but then my next car, my stepdad basically like bought it out of a lot. I didn't have a lot of say in the matter. And yeah, and he didn't notice when he bought it that in the back of the car already, like before we bought it, scratched in or actually keyed in to like a right below the spoiler keyed in was the words bitch ho but ho but ho spelled like the garden tool nice uh, yeah so i just embraced it and uh i named the car bitch ho. she was already christened i right? like it. i like that so much <laughs> right i drove that car for seven years and everyone who knows me remembers bitch ho from that time period because uh that car was legendary it had all the problems you could think of what a lemon <laughs> Yeah, that's that's mine. <laughs> I feel that. I've I've driven many of them. The Hammond is the best car I've ever had. Speaking of cars. Oh yes. Back on track. We run over and here's the titular car, Christine. It's like really dusty looking and 
decrepit looking it's missing parts like it doesn't even look like it's gonna run and without even like asking around arnie just like opens the door and sits in it and it's like looking around at it and then they get startled by the actual owner who's like yeah she'll run but you'll need these and he has keys to her to be fair it had a for sale sign in the window so like that's kind of like standard people poking and prodding at something if it has a for sale sign so it didn't make it as weird i mean that's true that's true but i um usually when i look at for sale things like if they're vehicles i don't just open the door to them <laughs> but that's maybe that. maybe that's just my southern united states uh politeness perhaps i don't know so he buys christine despite dennis's pleads to not buy Christy. Mm-hmm. He's like, come on, man. You don't want this car. You don't even you don't even know anything about cars, really. Come on. You don't know. Yeah. Come on. It's a piece of shit. You don't want it. Yeah, it's... Look at it. You don't want this car. But no. Arnie was already in love with the car. Like, the second he saw it. Love at first sight. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, he drives it home. And... His friend follows him, I guess, to make sure that it, like, you know, he gets home in one piece and whatnot. And uh, he comes in and gets a glass of milk, weirdly. And he's so... The friend's just in the kitchen, Dennis, drinking a glass of milk. Meanwhile, the mom is chewing both of them out, basically. I'm you so not... glad that you both thought what? the milk was weird. Yeah, that was kind of odd, right? I was like, who just goes to someone's house and drinks a glass of milk? What the fuck? <laughs> well, if we think about cinema in cinema history it's usually like a villain who wants a glass of milk it's weird like if you think about inglorious bastards the nazi asks for a glass of milk from the uh jewish farmer at the very beginning i've never seen that movie okay well that does happen (laughs) so that's that's weird i can think oh that's the one that comes to mind but i've definitely seen other villains in movies where it's like that's what they want to drink is milk it's so weird. Because milk is, like, so weirdly, like, pure and innocent. It's, I don't know. It's something to think about. A weird theme in movies that I've noticed. It's interesting. Oh. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> but, yeah, it's weird that Dennis is, like, chugging down some milk. But whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's an odd choice. I don't know. But, anyway. Arnie's mom is, like... <laughs> You cannot keep a car here. You will not have a car in my driveway. You will not have a car while I'm... And I don't know why she's acting like this. She's acting like having a car is offensive or something. (laughs) She's acting like he brought a porno mag into the house. It's a car. Wouldn't you want your son to be self-sufficient and not have to drive yours? Or get your ride all the time? Maybe she thought it was porn. Wait, what? Maybe she thought it was like some sort of weird porn. The car? (laughs) I mean, have you ever seen that show, um, like, Strange Addictions or whatever? <laughs> yes, yeah, so this is supposed to be 1978. <laughs> yeah, but there's a dude that's like, has sex with his car, and is, they're in a relationship. Just saying. I mean, I've also seen the horror movie Titan. Spoiler alert. Ew, never seen it, but I already don't want to. <laughs> um, you know what? I'm not going to tell you anything about it. If you feel like looking into it. Go for it. It's one of those movies that's better to be left uh, with as little you know, the better. Okay. But I loved it. I recommend it to anyone who wants to go watch that movie. It's great. Anyway. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know why she's so upset about the car, but she's unhinged about the car. And then Arnie finally, like, stands up for himself, kind of. No. Fuck you. I don't get to do in- make any decisions on my own. I don't get to do anything without asking your fucking permission i just wanted one thing that was mine that i decided on by myself and if you won't let me keep it here fine and he just storms off 
And then he drives to this local fix-it-yourself garage that I guess you can, um, I don't know, at any fucking hour of the night, go work on your car there or something. It's They don't seem super specific about um, how you get in and out. I mean, like, he has to honk to get in there, but it looks like seemingly the dead of night. Yeah. I'm just really confused about... Because you also see, like, later on, people breaking into the garage. So, I don't know. I have I have questions about how, like, the garage is opened and, like, what are the rules? <laughs> I just have yeah, questions. It's very, you know, they, they don't give a lot of information on the rules for the garage. Yeah, it's kind of, I don't know. It's kind of odd. I've never seen anything like that. Other than no smoking. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, so he starts storing Christine there so that he can fix her up and whatnot and uh, also hold on to her because his mom won't let her be parked in the uh, driveway. Yep. For some, fu- for some fucking weird reason. Because it looks bad. Uh, I guess, but like obviously your son's trying to fix it up and that yeah, should be... Yeah, he way more important. Ugh. I, I detest his mom, honestly. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really have a thought on his mom. I don't like her at all. I think she's overbearing and the exact kind of mom that pushes people into uh, unhinged territory. That's fair. Yeah. Anyway, so he starts spending more and more time working on Christine. And things start to happen as he spends more time with the car. He stops wearing his glasses and he starts dressing like a 1950s greaser. He also, like becomes arrogant and pompous and paranoid. An asshole? Yeah, he kind of becomes an asshole. (laughs) So, Arnie doesn't know this, but Dennis learns from Arnie's mom that the previous owner of Christine committed suicide in the car. Yeah. And um, they confront George LeBay to find out that the owner's daughter choked to death in it as well, and his wife also committed suicide in it the same day he did. Yeah! It's wild! Christine's backstory is wild. Yeah. And then George also tells Dennis that Roland tried to get rid of Christine after Roland's uh, wife died in the car, but Christine, or that he tried to get rid of the car after Roland's wife died in it, but Christine came back three weeks later on her own. Uh, yeah, I forgot about that part. That's that creepy. Little, <laughs> weird part. Like, that's early signs of creepiness, because nothing's really happened with her too much yet. Mm-hmm. It's like so you keep I'm... throwing out the Annabelle doll, but it keeps fucking showing up. Yeah, it's like, wait a minute. She came back on her own. She was just there. So what the fuck? It's just when you start wondering what's going on. Yeah. So then there's like a big football game. And obviously Dennis is, you know, trying to win. (laughs) He's on the field. He's in Mm -hmm. play. And he kind of gets distracted because he looks up and he sees that Arnie has gotten himself an attractive girlfriend. And they are kissing. Yeah, the new hot girl in school. Yeah. And uh, also... Christine's in, like, perfect condition now, too. Yeah! Which was very quickly done. Yeah, which, like, Arnie was not capable of doing on his own, and he didn't pay for it to be fixed, either. Mm-hmm. Christine fixed herself, and she's... Well, we don't know that yet. We don't, but, I mean, we do. We do, but we don't. <laughs> yeah. You can make inferences. It's not explicitly said, but it's clearly what happened. Anyway. <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. So that ends up pretty badly because he's tackled and Dennis suffers a career ending injury and he's taken mm-hmm. to the hospital. Yep, and is put in the hospital. It's serious. And Arnie uh, hasn't even gone to visit him yet, but he's just kind of living his Christine centered life. And he takes his new girlfriend to a drive in movie and they like start to kiss a little bit. And uh, then the windshield wipers stop working. So obviously he can't see the movie now. I wouldn't want to go to a drive-in in the rain, though. Because that's like, even with windshield wipers, that's just annoying. Right? I would have been like, all right, let's go do something else. Because I actually like what? to pay attention to the movie, not just like make out at the movies. But I'm also an adult, so. <laughs> right. Christine locks him out of the car. And he can't yep. get back in. <laughs> And uh, so Lee begins to choke on a hamburger and Christine turns like the lights on the inside of the car, like on really fucking bright, starts playing the radio really loud and, you know, clearly trying to kill her. And uh, Christine does manage to burst one of the locks opened and this other guy from the car next to them pulls her out and performs the Heimlich, which... Arnie completely misunderstands because he's paranoid. Yep. He's like, get your get your dirty mitts off of her. He says something like that. <laughs> yeah, that, I think that's exactly it. Yeah, like he thinks that he's trying to like molest his girlfriend or something. Like, dude, really? He's clearly trying to save her. She's choking. And in public, like people actually do that. Come on. Yeah. Even he hid. <laughs> yeah, like I. <laughs> Arnie's a total asshole at this point, honestly. But yes, any yeah, yep. Anyway, so they're driving home, and he drops her off, and she basically gives him an ultimatum. She's like, "Look, I'm never getting in that fucking car again. <laughs> you need to get rid of that car." And he's yeah. he just kind of blow he just kind of blows it off, like, "All right, whatever." But they are still together. But then. Buddy and his guys break into Chris. They break into the garage and then they break into Christine and then they break Christine. <laughs> they literally, there's this literal whole montage where they are ripping the seats with knives and baseball batting the, uh, you know, the hood and the front the windshield and they're just going to town destroying his car. And the one dude shit on the hood. And one guy shit on the hood. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. Like, the car's the car looks terrible. It is in worse shape than when he first got it. Yeah, it looks like it went through a smash-up derby versus a monster truck. Yeah, it does. It really does. And Arnie and Lee are, like, walking to the garage, and he's like, Hey, hold on, I just gotta get my wallet out of Christine. Bro, are you an idiot? You left your wallet and your car in some stranger's garage? Why would you not have your wallet on you? Right? I thought that that was weird, too. And, like, dudes didn't steal his wallet. Which is also weird, because if you're going to just trash the guy's car, you might as well steal his fucking wallet. Yep. (laughs) So weird. Uh, Anyway. Arnie is fucking devastated about Christine. Like, he's literally just mouth agasp. You would think that his mother died and that he actually liked his mother. Uh, And, you know, Lee comes over and tries to, like, comfort him. And he, like, 
slaps her hand away and freaks the fuck out on her. And that's when you're like, okay, he is 100% an asshole now. <laughs> I, I, yeah. thought, I thought he was an asshole, like, 85%, but no, he's, like, 100% an asshole. Like, yeah, like, it's kind of scary yelling at her. Yeah, like, uh, he loves the car more than anyone else in the world at this point. It's him and Christine against the world. So, Christine prepares herself rather quickly. There's this whole scene where he's, like, okay. He stands in front of the car and goes, okay, show me. And she puts herself back together. Which was creepy and slightly sexual. Yeah. It was, it was, yeah. It was weird. It's a weird scene. It's creepy and, yeah. It is weirdly slightly sexual. I don't know why, but it is. It kind of is. Because, like, there's already that weird relationship with him and the car and how the car's possessive over him and stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, I am 100% willing to bet that he has touched himself in that car, like, to her. I could see that. I could see that. Yeah. Especially this version of Arnie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, Christine goes on a killing spree. <laughs> she seeks out each one of the vandals, one by one. Uh, she begins by crushing one in an alley. Then she rams another. She rams into another. Uh, she triggers a gas station explosion <laughs> that kills another one. And it sets the car on fire, which finally allows her to run down Buddy himself. And the badly scorched Christine rolls back up to Darnell's garage, which is where he's been storing her. And uh, Darnell inexplicably climbs into Christine and is crushed to death by his steering wheel column. Uh... She pushes the driver's seat forward and crushes him to death. Why would you get into a car that just showed up on its own? Well, oh, I mean, at first he thought somebody else was driving in it, so he was like, get out of the car. Yeah, but then you get inside and you know that no one's in there. Why would you not bail immediately? I don't know. Like, yeah. I it was almost so. like he was admiring her. I think he was, like, like, almost like she had, like, you know how a cat can look at a bird and, like, yeah, mystify the bird down, and then the bird's dead. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of what Christine did to him. I think that's a good analogy. She mystified him and then crushed him. So Darnell's dead. Oops. Uh oh. Uh oh. Um, the next morning, Christine is back in its slot in the garage and is fully repaired again. Shocker, right? Uh, yeah. Po- a police detective named Rudolph Junkins um becomes suspicious of Arnie thinking that he's the one that's been doing this. Uh, And he discovered paint from Christine at the scene of two of the gang members' deaths. However... Yeah. Yeah. However, he has no direct evidence to implicate Arnie because Arnie had an alibi. Because Arnie really wasn't fucking there. The car's doing it. (laughs) Yeah. So Junkins either does not know or cannot believe, obviously, that Christine can drive herself... (laughs) And following uh, the choking incident and Christine's initial vandalization, Lee kicks Arnie to the curb, as she rightly should have. Yes, 100%. 100%. So then Dennis and Lee decide that the only way that they can save Arnie is they gotta kill Christine. Yes. Yes. So they set a trap for it at Darnell's garage. Dennis waits. Um, and he's he's with, he's got a bulldozer, 
So he waits with the controls of a bulldozer. And Lee is, like, close to the garage and uh, waiting for Christine. So Christine enters the garage, and Christine, lying underneath a pile of debris, I mean, uh, yeah, Christine's been laying in wait under a pile of debris in the garage this entire time while they were waiting. And Lee takes up her position at the door controls, and Christine strikes. She crashes through Darnell's office in an attempt to run Lee over, which is an unhinged wild scene. And Artie has actually been driving the car himself this time. He is thrown through the windshield and impaled on a shard of glass, killing Artie. They weren't able to save him. In the end, Christine got him, essentially. But by accident. By accident, but still. So Dennis and Lee attack Christine with the bulldozer, but she just keeps fucking repairing herself. How do you kill something that shouldn't possibly be alive? I think that was actually one of the taglines for the movie. Maybe. No, I think it was on one of the posters. I'm almost positive. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. But anyway, unable to kill her because she just keeps regenerating. Uh... They keep driving back and forth over. Eventually, she's damaged so much that she's unable to immediately regenerate. And the next day, Dennis and Lee and Junkins watch as Christine's remains are compacted by a car crusher in a junkyard into a solid single cube that is dropped on the ground in front of them. And they've defeated the demonic vehicle. And they yes. are yes, they are mourning the loss of Arnie. Because they weren't able to save him. Because they, you know, Lee did still care for him. And Dennis was his best friend. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Junkins, Dennis, and Lee kind of freak out. Because suddenly they hear this song. A song coming from the block. It's Rock Around the Clock. Or the, yeah, the Three O'Clock Rock. You know what I'm talking about? The rock, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah they hear that song coming over from the radio inside the cube that used to be Christine. But it actually turns out to be a portable radio from a worker nearby, not Christine. And then Lee's like, God, I hate rock music. Or God, I hate rock and roll. (laughs) Yeah. It was a fake out. And then the film ends by the camera zooming into the cube and a small piece of the front grill slightly twitches. And then... George Thorogood's Bad to the Bone starts playing and Fade to Black. <laughs> Which is a great song. And, uh, yeah, I believe that's, isn't that what's playing when it starts, too, the movie? I'm pretty sure, yeah. Yeah, I think it's the, the song at the beginning. So, yeah, that's Christine. It's a fun movie. It's a classic at this point. Um, it's definitely one of the better killer object movies, I feel like. Yes. I mean, it is done by one of the masters of horror, so, you know, fair enough. You want to get into the kills and our, our normal yeah. countdown? Okay, let me pull up mine. So what do you have for best kill? <clears throat> uh, best kill, I have when she starts hunting down the people that destroyed her, the three kind of assholes. Mm-hmm. The first one I thought was the best kill when she ran over the guy kind of in the parking garage 
because she right. she doesn't quite fit in between the two walls, but just the pure determination that went into her crushing her own body to get in between that small space to squish him. I agree with you. That's a good that that is a good kill. However, for mine, I said Buddy being run over by the flaming Christine just because you just wanted to see him dead so bad. It wouldn't have mattered how they killed him almost because seeing him dead was so satisfying. In my yeah, opinion. I get it. Yeah. So what do you have for worst kill? The guy at the very beginning with the cigar. That's because what I have you too. don't. Yeah, you don't really see how he dies. It's just oh, he's dead. Yeah, we all we know is that he ashed on Christine's seat, and then she was pissed, and then he's dead. Yeah. I want to know what he what she did to him personally. But, right. But pacing is important, so they weren't ready to kill I, someone just yet. <laughs> I hate murders where I don't know the murder. I know. All right. So who do you have for best character? Dennis. Of course, same. Worst because character. he's genuinely wonderful the whole film. Yeah, he's a good guy. He tries to stand up for Arnie. Even after Arnie's an asshole, he tries to save his life. He's a good guy. I agree. Okay. Yeah. I have Buddy for worst character. but I have I... Buddy. Yeah? But I also then eventually Arnie. Okay. Arnie is awful at, towards the end. Absolutely. I agree with you. And I give an honorable mention to Arnie's mom. <laughs> and, and kind of his dad, because his dad just stands there and barely says two words and lets the mom just dominate. Yep. Um, yeah, I don't like Arnie's parents very much. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. All right. So what do you have for most what the fuck moment? Okay, so this is where I couldn't decide. So uh, there's a scene kind of near the beginning when the there's a girl kind of flirting with Dennis in the hallway. And Arnie's standing behind her and he's pretending to like eat her hair. Yeah, that's weird. I thought that that was really weird. And then, um, so a little bit later when there's the fight in the shop with like the uh, buddy and his friends and at school, the one guy, eventually the one that gets crushed, uh, actually, um, <laughs> he grabs Dennis by the balls during the fight. And then he's like, do you like that? And I thought that that was weird. Yeah, he does. He full-on grabs Dennis's junk. Like, cups all of it and is like, do you like that? And I'm like, what the fuck? And it's like a br- it's like a full-on right-in-front-of-the-camera close-up shot, too, kind of. Yeah, like, I thought that was weird. That's also a- that's a great point. Um, I- okay, so I said that entire scene is strange because, like, okay. It's so toxic. I feel like eighty the eighties really overblew bullying in the movies. Like at least in my experience and understanding from being a high schooler myself and then talking to other people about their high school experiences, I don't feel like bullying ever really got that crazy. I mean, I'm sure there's isolated incidents, but you know, like every eighties movie where there's bullies, they make it sound like everyone's either this badass bully archetype and then the nerds are like the nerdiest thing you can imagine it's just so overblown you know what i mean no i get that i get that i also had um when they're buying christine 
And the old creepy guy that's selling it to them, he's like, there's no better smell in the world than a fresh, fresh car, like a brand new car, except maybe pussy. I was like, that's creepy. Yeah, that's one of those things where, like, they probably wouldn't say it if this movie was remade, which it is being remade, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, there's, like, one that's, like, kind of in the works. So, yeah, that's going to happen. And then the the last one I had for most what the fuck was when you actually see Christine start to, like, fully rebuild herself. Yeah, that's wild, too. And that's, like, cool effects, too. Um, Filmed backwards. Yeah. So. But cool, but also, like, what the fuck? (laughs) Yeah. So what do you have for funniest moment? See, I couldn't really find many funny parts of the movie. Right. So the only thing that I kind of got a little bit of a chuckle about was that his mom wouldn't let him use the word fellatio in Scrabble. That's exactly what I put. Like 100%. Oh my god! <laughs> well, yeah, that is like the funniest part of the movie because it goes south pretty quickly after that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that that part's good. That's, and I also said uh, him his like comical introduction where his he trips in the trash falls everywhere that whole like first little scene's funny that's the only funny part yeah yeah all right so i've got a few a few you know little tidbits for you i have one too if you don't have it on your list when you're done okay excellent sounds good hold please <laughs> for okay. me to get get to that part of my list <laughs> okay okay so Stephen King at this point in his career when this film came out was really popular. Um, The Shining had already been made into a movie. Carrie had already been made into a movie. He was a very contemporary popular writer at this point. I mean, he still is, but like even this early on in his career, he was huge. And so, so he was so huge at that point that before the book was even finished like being put into publica- publication like it had been written but not fully published yet it was still in the final processes of that they started filming this movie before that, that was, was done back. <laughs> yeah that's wild that was, right yeah i was like you, if you don't know this which i figured you probably did but i was like if you don't i'm gonna tell you <laughs> yeah i actually i read a biography on john carpenter <laughs> Not that long ago. Oh, okay. um, so portions of the film, particularly like the Arnie's neighborhood, were mm-hmm. shot in the same neighborhood that John Carpenter used in Halloween. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And fun fact, a friend of mine lives around the corner from there. She actually oh, moved. She's such a big horror nerd that she literally moved there on purpose. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love her. She's great. But yes, um, that's cool. On Halloween, she likes to go by the original Halloween house and, like, take pictures. <laughs> that's really uh, cool. Yeah. She's cool. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so there are full diff- Okay, so here's the whole way they did that scene where she regenerates herself. Hydraulic pumps were installed on the inside of some of the numerous uh, 
Plymouth Fury stunt doubles. Like, there are several different Christines on set. Well, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Now, some of them were, like, plastic mock-ups that looked kind of like metal on camera uh, so that they bent and deformed more properly. And then pumps were also attached to cables, which were, in turn, attached to the car's bodywork. And when they compressed, they would suck the panels inward. And then the footage of the inward crumpling, like I said, was reversed, giving the appearance of the car spontaneously retaking form. That's really cool. Yeah, I love movie making and how they do special effects. It's so fascinating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I find it very fascinating, too. Yeah. So Stephen King chose a 58 Plymouth Fury for Christine because it was a quote-unquote forgotten car. He didn't want a car like that. Uh, He didn't want a car that already had legend attached to it. Um, He didn't want it to be like a Mustang or a Thunderbird. That's fair. Yeah. And he he uses Buicks a lot in his his books. Yeah, he has a whole one about a Buick from a Buick 58 or something like that. I think that's the name of it. I think so, yeah. Uh, Yeah, my stepdad had that book when I was a kid yeah yeah he's all about buicks yeah he likes he likes a buick he does so screenwriter bill phillips thought it was a joke when he was asked to adapt a book about a killer car and uh like about halfway through reading stephen king's novel he realized that would actually make a good movie and then he agreed to do the picture (laughs) that's cool yeah he had to be sold on it first you know um one of the Plymouth Furies that was used for the movie was sold for a hundred and sixty-seven thousand U.S. dollars in two thousand four. Jesus! Some big fan was like, "I'll drive Christine. I'll drive her real good." <laughs> I made that sound weird. <laughs> I mean, I totally would have her. <laughs> <laughs> right? It'd be cool. So, as a joke. Alexandra Paul's twin sister, Caroline Paul, stood in for her during the scene during the ride on the bulldozer. According to Paul, she took her sister to the set, and with the help of the hair and makeup and wardrobes department, she dressed up Paul's character, Lee, and went to the set with John Stockwell to shoot the scene. They shot her sister, Caroline, helping drive the bulldozer, and then Paul walked out and jokingly asked John Carpenter if he had fired her. Carpenter later admitted he had thought there was something different about her, but couldn't quite put his finger on it. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, that's what a prankster. Also, if you had a twin sister and you thought that you could pull off her standing in for you, I'd try it. <laughs> yeah. I know that um, some twins that I went to school with did this once. They like oh, swapped really? pl- They swapped places one day, but it took the... I think they're like first period teacher only like five minutes to realize it was the wrong twin. <laughs> That's funny. It's like, it's like they looked alike, but they didn't look like too much alike. If that makes sense. Mm. Like, like if you, if you knew them well enough, which your teacher would, you would know that that's not the right twin. <laughs> but anyway, um, Keith Gordon, who played Arnie says on one of the DVD extras that he pretended the car was a woman so wherever he touched the car, he imagined that part of a woman the car was. That's so creepy. That, that also kind of really explains the weird sexual tension between him and the car. 
Yeah. I think that goes into it for sure. Um, John Carpenter refused to go to the premiere of this film because he had a superstition. Uh, apparently, he said, whenever I go to premieres, something bad always happens. <laughs> Weird. Yeah. Well, you gotta love you gotta love Carpenter. So, after reading over the book, actor Keith Gordon, again, Arnie, and the costume designer, they came up with a visual way to show Arnie being possessed by Christine. As the movie progresses, Arnie begins to wear clothes that reflect the era of Christine's make. At various points, especially when Arnie is yelling at Lee on the phone, Arnie is seen wearing button-up shirts, open with black t-shirts, black pants, and boots like a 1950s greaser. When he's talking to Junkins, he's wearing a leather vest over a button-up shirt, a nod to Western TV shows that were popular in the 50s, and he even starts to wear a red suede jacket like James Dean in Rebel Without a Cause. And it's red like Christine. Matchy, matchy, matchy. Twinning. Twinning. Dennis's car in the movie is a 1968 Dodge Charger 440. Yep. Vroom, vroom. <laughs> I like uh, Dennis's car. Me too. I like Chargers. Especially the mm-hmm. older ones. Yes. Uh, yes. D- the actor who played Dennis, John Stockwell, had to take bulldozer. <laughs> he had to take bulldozer driving lessons for this movie. I didn't even think in my brain that that was a thing. Apparently it is, but I mean it makes sense because that's a heavy piece of machinery that would be really dangerous if you just like lost control of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, Arnie, the actor who played Arnie, Keith Gordon. He was so nervous about kissing Alexandra Paul that he asked her if they could practice first. (laughs) He seems like kind of an awkward guy himself, doesn't he? Yeah. So, crazy, but Kevin Bacon was actually offered the role of Arnie, but he ended up deciding to film Footloose instead. Okay, so I, when they're in, like, the garage... Dennis, he looks a lot like a young Kevin Bacon, and uh, and the movie Footloose came to my mind. So that's, that's really weird. Yeah. Yeah, that's fun. Um, so in scenes where Christine is autonomous, a green hue is visible to indicate her sentience. Uh, this is also visible in Maximum Overdrive, our next film, in the scene where a green hue is seen in the night sky. And uh, as you know, these are both Stephen King-related films. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. The $250 that Arnie pays for Christine comes out to $979.84 USD in 2019 money. Oh. That, yes, that comes from IMDb. I did not uh, do the math for today. <laughs> I could have, but I did not, because um, they already had this stack there. So, yeah. Still a pretty Lazy good man. price, honestly. Eh, yep. Not really. <laughs> um, Scott Bayo, who played Chachi on Happy Days and Charles on Charles in Charge, was also considered to play Arnie Cunningham. Interesting. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, they felt better casting unknowns who aren't who weren't already attached to pop culture. Yeah, like I didn't recognize anybody. <laughs> yeah, and you weren't supposed to. <laughs> uh, 
Um, John Carpenter blacked out Christine's windows so that you don't know Arnie is driving her. Yep. And then you don't see the stunt driver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that too. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, before being offered this film, John Carpenter was working on adapting Firestarter, and it was eventually made in 1984. Which but, yeah, is also off- a great film. Yeah, I like Firestarter. Um, very young Drew Barrymore. Mm-hmm. She was so cute. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now she's a, she's a full-grown lady. <laughs> I know. Uh, she's a little older than me. Uh, I like Drew Barrymore. I do too. Um, I know that she can be polarizing to some people. Like, I have a few friends who just, like, can't stand her for some reason. But to that I say, go fuck yourself. If you don't like her, don't watch her movies. I really liked that show she just did recently, The Santa Clarita Diet. Oh, my God. Don't talk to me about that. I loved that show. I signed a petition for Netflix to bring it back. <laughs> I was real upset about that show ending. Oh, me, me and Ron were too. We're like, we we need more answers. Yeah, huge cliffhanger. Thanks a lot, Netflix, you assholes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. John Cusack also auditioned for the role of Arnie. That would have been an interesting take. Mm-hmm. You know what else would have been interesting? Nick Cage auditioned for the role of Buddy. Who did? Nick Cage. Nick Cage. I heard Luke Cage, and I was like, what? Um, no, yep. not I, the I Marvel comic book character. Yeah, I couldn't see Nicolas Cage as Buddy. And, but no, I mean, me John, John Cusack eventually did get to do a Stephen King film. Cell? 1408. Oh, he did Cell, too, though. Oh. But yeah, he did 1408. <laughs> yeah, I believe he's been in two Stephen King adaptations now. Would you classify that as a killer object? 1408? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, maybe. Maybe. Well, then maybe I just gave you an interpretation. Maybe you did. I could could go into that. Um, I'll get to more direct objects before I get to whole rooms, though, I think, probably. Because once you do a whole... Because here's the thing. Once you do a whole room, then that opens the door to haunted house movies. Ah, fair, fair. And then I'm kind of doing a different show. That's fair. It's a slippery slope is what I'm getting at. (laughs) But we'll see what happens. I don't know how long this will go on, so let's find out. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, there's there's lots of other things that you can find out about the movie, but I'm just kind of, it's kind of all I'm going to go into, because there's a lot of facts about that movie. Because it's been written about and different stuff like that. So anyway... We're going to call it quits, guys, but we'll be back for Maximum Overdrive in a little while. I'm not sure when I'm going to release each of these yet, but uh, there'll be maybe a week or two in between them. All right, Kendra, I look forward to discussing Maximum Overdrive with you. Yes. Talk next time, and I'll talk to you in the group chat before that. Uh, Yes, as always. (laughs) All right. Um, We'll see you guys next week. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm glad to have you, as always. All right, guys. See you next time.